We're back today with another episode of Travel with MPL um, with Ashley. And today we're traveling to Alaska. Um, today, our guest is Andrea Bendlin, who has graciously offered to share her experiences living in Alaska for a time. Um, we also want to take this time to thank Wisconsin Humanities, who were um, a large part of helping us make this happen and receiving a grant from them. So thank you again to Wisconsin Humanities for your support of this project. Um, hello, Andrea. Thank you for joining us today. Hi, thank you for having me. <laughs> um, this podcast is going to be a little bit different from the ones we've done in the past because you've actually lived in Alaska. That's right. I have. So okay. yeah, I was there. Um, I spent whole, all of last summer working in Southeast Alaska. I was there from the beginning of May until the beginning of October. Okay. And what were you doing there? What was your job? Um, so my background is research um, on whales and dolphins. Oh, actually, that's so cool. I <laughs> uh, grew up in Milton. Um, that wasn't my original plan. I went to high school in Milton. I went to college at Madison and then um, originally moved out to Hawaii. Um, and that's still what I consider home um, to specifically study humpback whales. Um, but after about 17 years of living there, I really wanted to go up to Alaska to see that side of things. So whales migrate back and forth between Hawaii and Alaska, and they spend their summers up there. And I had never seen the whales up there. So um, timing worked out and the job worked out. So I got a job doing humpback whale research at Glacier Bay National Park um, in Alaska. Um, that sounds amazing. Um, <laughs> a lot of people, well, my family knows this, but my favorite animals are whales, and, um, but I've never seen them in real life. So I'm incredibly jealous of you right now. <laughs> um, so maybe I'll have to make it up there sometime. Yeah, maybe this will inspire you. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, so the image that we're looking at um, with the, the point on the map, is that where you were located when you were yeah, in so Alaska? That's home that's home base. Um, mm -hmm. um, Glacier Bay, the entrance to Gla Glacier Bay National Park um, is a bit outside of Juneau. Um, so it's the kind of the northernmost part of what's considered Southeast Alaska. And I don't know if you can kind of see my mouse here, like this is all Southeast Alaska. Okay. Um, and then Glacier Bay, much of Southeast Alaska, including Glacier Bay, is only accessible by boat or by plane. Oh, wow. Um, and there are cars there, but they have to come in on a ferry. Even Juneau itself, you can't drive to Juneau from the mainland. Um, you have to take a boat or a plane to get to Juneau. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. So... In a way, you were kind of staying in the wild. Is that correct? Completely, yes. And um, that was a new experience. And that was actually part of the job interview that they really wanted to make sure you were ready for life in the middle of nowhere. Um, Glacier Bay National Park is a huge wilderness. Um, there's nothing there, you know, outside of the really small little town. And it's full of glaciers and old growth forests and huge imposing mountains um, and lots and lots of wildlife. Um, but there's also not a lot of supplies. Like we, I lived in a really small town called Gustavus. It's about 400 people. Um, and 
yeah, it's really small. It's really isolated. <laughs> so in Gustavus, um, were a lot of the residents there, um, had they grown up in Alaska? Were they from Alaska? I would say it was about 50-50. Um, a lot of people who grow up in Alaska stay in Alaska. Like a lot of Alaskans love Alaska. Um, specifically in Gustavus, that is the headquarters to Glacier Bay National Park. And so a lot of people have moved to Gustavus specifically to work for that park. Oh, okay. That makes and, sense. And so you get a lot of other people um, from other places who have come to work for the park. Okay. Uh, it's a pretty small in terms of staffing actual national park compared to a lot of the big ones like Yosemite or Yellowstone. Um, and every national park is actually founded on like founding principles and they're all different. So some national parks are based on people. Mm -hmm. Some are just based on the place and how wonderful that place is. And Glacier Bay National Park is actually founded on the principle of doing research and the research of watching um, how glaciers recede over time. And so oh. that happened, the, those founding principles were decided like I think in the 1920s. Um, and, but because research is their founding principle, they have a bigger research department than some other even much larger national parks have. Mm -hmm. um, and so I was part of a group that focused on whales, but we also had land biologists, we had plant biologists, um, there were biologists who studied wolves and moose and uh, all sorts of things. Well, that sounds incredible to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, so while you were there, did you have any, well, it sounds like it's in its entirety, probably an incredibly unique experience, but mm -hmm. was there anything that stood out to you as incredibly unique when you were there? There were several things and let me just scroll through. So this is just oh, a sure. little zooming in. You can see Juno and then Gustavus and then all of this zone that looks really small on the map is actually really huge. Um, <laughs> that's all Glacier Bay National Park. Okay. Um, and then, yeah, so like one of the, I think, unique experiences that I got to have that a lot of people probably don't have is that we were out there looking for whales. Um, and so this, like you can see, this is my work backdrop on, I mean, that's like an extra gorgeous day. Sometimes it was foggy and cold and not blue skies. Um, but overall, this is what I got to do every day. And even if we didn't see whales, the scenery was amazing. It just, it's so incredible that you get to do that. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it was fun to see it. You know, I try to go to every place when I travel and think of it as a cultural experience, um, right. you know, and I think you can get a lot more from things if you look at it that way mm -hmm. um, and look at it with fresh eyes. And my coworkers, I asked them at some point, like, are you guys going to get sick of me saying how pretty this is? Because like every time we would do anything, I'd be like, whoa, it's so pretty. <laughs> right <laughs> they were probably like we get this all the time <laughs> <laughs> yeah um so and let me just so I mean just a little bit more this is scenery from the same day um but in the especially in the beginning of the season we still had a fair bit of snow it was a late spring for them there um which to me made it extra beautiful um and most of the time I've done a lot of boating in other places with work. 
you can get really, really rough seas, which makes going out and doing your job much less fun. Um, but because Glacier Bay has mountains on basically all sides, it blocks the wind. So it's almost always, it's not always as calm as it is in these pictures, but it's pretty calm. Um, and then going back, you were asking for like off the beaten path experiences. So one yeah. of the things we did because Glacier Bay is so big, it's impossible to cover it all in one day when we're looking for whales. Um, so you have to do sections of it at a time and mm. especially going way up inside the bay, it's too far for our small little boat to go. So they have pictured in this picture, this little floating research cabin um, that is tucked away and it's floats because this is an area that has a lot of brown bears. Oh. Um, and so they don't want you, they didn't want a cabin that was based on land because they were afraid that when people weren't there that, you know, the smell of food might attract bears or something like that. So they made it specifically that it floats so that bears can't get to you and that you can be completely safe. And so that's there for you to rest overnight if you need yep. to, and then continue your research the next day. Correct. And so they have it, it's built specifically for the research group. Like the general public isn't allowed to use it. Um, it's set up. Did I put, so that's a little bit of a closer view. It's really small. It's like 10 feet by 10 feet on the inside. What a um, cool experience though, to have. Amazing. Right? Yeah, really. Well, and so it's got the two bunk beds, it's got a table to work at, and then there's a full little stove and kitchen. And, and I mean, it's exactly what you need to be able mm -hmm. to crash for the night. Yeah. Um, and that was like one of the complete highlights of my whole five months there was being able to go up there. I mean, you can see in the background too, just what a beautiful view. Right. It has. Um, and so being able to stay there for the night was unforgettable. I, I mean, I would pay to stay there. Right. Sure. I, yeah. When I showed it to my parents, they were like, can we rent that? Like <laughs> right? that would be good money. <laughs> yeah, totally. Oh, that's just incredible. Um, were you able, this is maybe off topic, but were you able while you were um, staying out there or in these remote areas to see the Northern lights at all? Once barely. So mm. the problem it's not a problem but with the time that I was there is that we were in the summer and there's so much light oh, okay. um, and so um when I got there in May I think the sun was setting about 9 30 or 10 and by the solstice in June it was setting at it was setting at 11 or 11 30 but it, then it didn't get dark until like 12 or 12 30 and then it got light again at three sure um right before I left in October we stayed up late a couple of nights and were able to see very very faint northern lights but not some of the crazy northern lights that are associated with the rest of Alaska okay yeah that's more like middle of winter mm, okay that makes sense yeah so then while you were in Alaska, did you have any interesting food experiences? Because I know um, a lot of people do travel for, for food. Mm -hmm. um, 
I know that wasn't your main reason for traveling, but did you have any interesting <laughs> experiences there? Um, I did. I mean, and so much of Alaska, I mean, I mentioned we were from a really small town. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one grocery store. There was one restaurant that was uh, like kind of an experiment that was run by the high school groups as a way to like learn how to run a business, oh. the high school group. And the high school group has a graduating class of five. Mm. Um, very small. Yeah. Um, so a lot of the things which I really enjoyed, like you learn how to forage more, you learn much of your food is like you, you cook dinner every night because there's nobody to cook you dinner. Right. And you get the basics at the grocery store, but it's just the basics because there's only one store that's the size of a 7-Eleven. So like the thing that I fell in love with the most over the summer was berries. Um, And we had these wild strawberries that were all over. Um, The town of Gustavus is actually has the nickname of Strawberry Point because it's known for all the wild strawberries that grow around there. And I spent a good, I would say month going out almost every day and picking strawberries and having them as part of my breakfast or, you know, for dessert or. Yeah. Um, and they're little like that. And they're little and yeah. they're full of flavor. Oh, good. Yum. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the other really nice thing, and I don't have a picture of that is that most people in the local community fish. Mm-hmm. Um, and so and everyone, I think because you're in the middle of nowhere, everybody shares everything. Everyone's super generous. Everyone works at a team. It's a really nice small town atmosphere. Um, but they might catch a 50 pound halibut and that's too much for one family. So they'll cut it up and share it. So we always had fresh fish and that was amazing. That sounds amazing. I love that mentality too, that um, you're all kind of one community and you're sharing mm-hmm. your resources like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so are there any other interesting experiences that you might want to share or that you have pictures of? Whew. Um, so like favorite parts of being there and I wasn't quite expecting was the wildlife. Um, okay. You know, I grew up spending lots of time in nature and much of my life based on my career has been spending lots of time in nature. Um, But we had like resident porcupines that were so cute. Um, And so especially in the fall, they start to get busier and busier. And so I would go for a walk. Um, Again, it's really small. There's not a lot of places to go, but I would go for a walk and every day see a porcupine along the side of the road, um, things like that. There were also bear and moose. Oh, the moose are adorable. Um, so that the moose is a mama moose. She's got, you can see she's got a red collar on. Mm-hmm. Um, the state actually came through um, a couple of years before that. And those are um, tracking collars. Mm-hmm. They're trying to monitor the moose populations and they don't hurt the moose at all, but it has a GPS. So they know where she is. And when the battery is going to die, that collar will just fall off. Oh, interesting. Um, and so, but it was a fun way for us because she was definitely our neighborhood moose. 
Um, and we, we know from the caller that was move 50, we'd see her. This is actually in the parking lot of our apartment complex. Oh, I love um, that. <laughs> and she had a baby pretty early on in the season. Moose are known for being really protective of their babies. Like they're, they could trample somebody. Mm-hmm. And she, I think, cause she spends most of her time in the national park. She's used to visitors around. I mean, you still, you couldn't get close to her. I would never, ever recommend that to anyone, but she was really mellow compared to what a lot of other moose can be. And, um, and it looks like you had some bear visitors as well. Bears, bears were also around, you know, potentially all the time it, where they moved it depended on what was going on in the season because the time of year that a bear is awake, a bear just basically wants to eat. It's mm-hmm. building up all of its fat for its hibernation. And so early in the season, we would see them in the woods. This is pretty early in the season on this a hillside, scavenging for berries, scavenging for dandelions. And then as the season progresses, they tend to move closer um, to rivers and streams because that's when the salmon show up. Oh, sure. And they spend the rest of the time eating salmon in streams. What a life. Can you imagine <laughs> just catching <laughs> salmon? I, I was telling you earlier that, you know, one of my favorite parts was picking berries. There was yeah. a hill right outside our apartment that was covered in wild strawberries. And one morning I came out and there was a bear eating my strawberries. Uh. Uh, and I'm sure that bear thought that I was eating its strawberries. Probably, probably. <laughs> but I didn't pick uh, no berries that day. No. Was there anything that you were expecting to experience when you went to Alaska um, that was maybe diff- that ended up being different or maybe overrated? Um, so like one of my biggest disappointments mm-hmm. was the cost of food. Mm. Um, so like this, would this picture is from my very first day there. Um, this is actually, the sign says that it's a large watermelon for $18. Um, this is actually one of those small mini watermelons for $18. Okay. Um, and I think my biggest struggle as part of this whole trip was food in general. Um, I mentioned that there's only one store things are hard to get. Um, it takes a while for them to get there. Much of our produce by the time it would actually arrive at the store was already half rotten. Oh no. Um, and so I tend to eat a lot of fresh fruits and vegetables and that was just a really frustrating thing. Um, once summer got into full swing, almost everybody has a garden and there are a couple people, um, who have little farmer's market stands and whatever. So you're able to get stuff then, but then once it gets cold, which is really early, it's like the middle of August, Mm -hmm. most of those things die off. And then you're back to relying on the grocery store, um, which yeah, doesn't have a lot of options. I wonder if a lot of people who have those gardens also like prepare their foods like with canning and things like that absolutely yeah Yeah. um and it was one of the things that was really nice is that I get became pretty close with my coworkers and house sat for them while they would go on trips and uh, my parents visited and we actually got to stay in one of their houses while they were gone and so all of us really got to see like 
how they live and things that you might not think about like that. You know, there's whole shelves and pantries that are just things that are canned. Mm-hmm. They're like, everybody has a huge chest freezer mm-hmm. um, yeah. to be able to like save as much as stuff you've grown yourself just to have more options, especially because you're, you know, you're not off the grid, but like, it's harder to get supplies in such an isolated place. Right. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. So I'm, I'm guessing I know the answer to this question, but you would probably recommend uh, people to visit that area. Of course. Um, So this is further up inside of Glacier Bay. Uh, My parents came to visit for about a week and they spent time both in Juneau. I met them in Juneau. My sister came to visit as well in Juneau and then came to Glacier Bay to see all of that. Um, And you can do a boat trip up inside. They have a daily boat trip for tourists that comes up inside Glacier Bay to specifically see glaciers. Um, And that's amazing. I mean, there are lots of places in Alaska that you can see glaciers, but there are a couple within Glacier Bay that are called tidewater glaciers where the water comes directly up to the glacier and you can actually see the glacier, you know, crack off and in while you're watching sometimes. And Mm -hmm. so that's definitely amazing. The scenery, um, the people, um, are something too, that like people in Alaska are lovely and the combination of the scenery, the wildlife, the people, Mm -hmm. absolutely. Um, I'm sad that I had waited as long as I had to go visit because it was so wonderful. Oh, I'm so glad you had that experience then. Yeah. Um, is there for people like me who love whales, is there a time that you would recommend to visit if you wanted to possibly see them? Summer is the best time. Mm -hmm. Um, July is usually peak season in Glacier Bay. It can change a little bit depending on where you are in Alaska. Um, but yeah, July and August would probably be the best time if you want to see whales. And that's usually kind of peak summer summer is really short it's Mm -hmm. like the middle of june to the little first week or two in august and then fall already starts right um that's when you're most likely to have the best weather southeast alaska is known for lots and lots of rain um and so once you get more into fall you tend to get a lot more rain too okay Yeah. yeah So are, were, are there any like secret tips you would give people for traveling to Alaska? So one thing that I did and not everyone has the time or the money, um, but I actually took a ferry. Um, so I left from Bellingham, Washington. Oh, okay. And I took a ferry that took three days to get to Juneau. Um, and that ferry did the whole inside passage. So you go through British Columbia and you mm-hmm. go through parts of Alaska um in these tiny I mean you can see in the picture on the right like that's a pretty narrow waterway that was the only that was it um but it allows you to kind of get there a little bit slower and sightsee along the way right um and again not everyone has that much time but I really appreciated that and they call it kind of like the poor man's cruise um (laughs) You don't get off in a lot of places. We had two port stops. And when I was there, it was still the height of COVID. Um, So they weren't normally in the port stops. You can get off and wander around the town for two or three hours. They weren't allowing people to do that at that time. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but if I would could go back and do it again, or next time I go up, I would try to take the ferry again because I really loved the ferry experience as part of it. Mm, that's a really good idea for people who maybe have the extra time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you can some people, so you you have you have to get a ticket, um, and your ticket gets you passage on the ferry, and then if you want to camp, that's free. So they have um, rooms that have lots of windows in them. That's just a metal floor, but a lot of people will set up tents and just camp for the whole three days. Um, Interesting. I did not want to do that. Um, (laughs) So you can also rent either really basic cabins that have a bed in them. Did I put a picture? I did. Um, so you can see off the picture on the right, like that's what my cabin looked like. Super simple bed, mm-hmm. but it was a bed and it was a quiet place and it wasn't, you know, putting a tent up with something else. Um, and so for me, that was worth the extra money to be able, and then you can rent cabins that are a little bit nicer that have their own bathrooms. Um, oh, okay. this one was like a shared bathroom down the hall, which was fine with me. Cause I was by myself when I went, but yeah that part was pretty great. And you can see just like the view here, um, looking out the front of the ferry was amazing. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so it lived up to your expectations. Yeah. Yes. Um, and this is, this was the very beginning of August. Um, you know, Alaska is like, go big or go home. And when they do stuff, just the scenery and whatever, it's stunning all the time. So this is fireweed in full bloom. Um, And I still, you know, I just explored a tiny, tiny little corner. Mm -hmm. I was able to make a couple weekend trips to go visit other areas in Southeast Alaska. Um, But because I was working, I didn't have a lot of time to travel. But Absolutely. I will go back. And there's so many places, you know, Alaska is so big within mm-hmm. Alaska that I would love to visit. Right. Um, well, this sounds amazing. I was, Alaska wasn't necessarily high up on my list, but I think it's gone up now after speaking to you. It should be on everyone's. Like, I feel like there's something for everyone, whether you want to be remote or have more people. Um, and it, if you're at all into nature and wilderness and wildlife, mm-hmm. it's, a wonderful place to visit. Well, I want to thank you so much for joining me today, Andrea. Um, It has been a joy to talk to you and to learn about what you do, because now I want to be you when I grow up. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But uh, again, big thanks to you. And um, I just want to remind our patrons that if they want to learn more about Alaska, we have our travel with MPL Alaska kit that they can check out from the library it's not here, we can put it on hold for you. Um, So with that, we'll say goodbye. Wonderful. Thanks. Thank you.